Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Said Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak to industry experts about the changing landscape of marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Kantar. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome today to our guest, who's Nicholas Biden, who's Global Chief Executive Officer at Zaxis. And Zaxis is part of Group M, which is part of WPP, probably best known for being a leading programmatic agency. So Nicholas, tell us what what you do, how Zaxis operates and how it works with agencies and, and their clients. Good morning, Jane. Yeah, basically, um, Zaxis is what we call a, an outcome media specialist. And what that means is that we use data and technology, mostly programmatic, as you referred to, as well as artificial intelligence to basically help our client transform digital media into real business outcomes. It's a global company. We're part of WPP, as you mentioned, about 1,300 employees around the world from 47 office. And actually, this year is our 10th anniversary. We're 10 year old. Congratulations. Thank you. So let's talk a bit more about artificial intelligence. You mentioned that. How, how do you use it? Yes, so artificial intelligence is, is something we're quite passionate at Zaxis because we identified probably about, I would say, five years ago that uh, we needed to have our own machine learning platform uh, to basically make sense of the, the billions of data points that we keep on getting in real time when it comes to making the decision about which ad we should show for for which uh, consumer and to do it in a way that creates a relevant experience for the user and an event that can drive ROI for the advertisers. So we started really uh, investing heavily into this about five years ago with our own data scientists and engineers and machine learning expertise. And we named that system Copilot because we were very clear from the get-go that 
we were seeing machine learning and AI as a complement to what people do and not as a replacement. And I think that is a very key point to not uh, let the machine pilot, but to have the machines help the pilot land the plane, if you want. And when you talk about an outcome-based model, what does that actually mean in reality? How, how far does it go? For example, are your clients paying you on success metrics, for example? Yes, some. Uh, so that's the ultimate goal, right, was to, to really, uh, as I said, try to transform digital media into real business outcomes for our clients. And some of them do pay us on that outcome model. I think it's easier to do for the clients who have a true digital channel when it comes to the conversion event that they are looking for. So if you're trying to, for instance, you know, sign up new users for a broadband provider, it's, it's something that can be done quite easily over the internet. If you're trying to sell products from an e-commerce channel, again, it's fairly easy to measure the outcome from the investment. I think where it becomes more complicated is when we work with clients like Ford, for instance, which is one of our largest clients globally, and try to basically work with them on what's the best way to measure the, the return they're getting from their digital investment because they do not sell cars yet on e-commerce channel. And so what they're trying to do is, is to generate awareness, to then drive interest and, and ultimately drive people uh, footfold into dealership. And that becomes much harder from an attribution perspective and measurement, something that I'm sure Kantar is very familiar with, to have that proof point that we would need to be paid on a pure outcome basis. So for this kind of clients, what we do is we, we work with them to put together what we call a COI, custom outcome indicators, something that's unique to Ford, but that will be the best approximation to showing what is more efficient when it comes to spending money online. One of the things that we discovered in some recent media reactions research was that one of the things that many clients struggle with is what's the balance between mixing their sort of short-term programs for ROI with their brand building activity. And we know that 60% of marketers you know, want to use both and they try to measure both. So what's your view on the balance? Because not all programmatic media is sales driven. It's not all short term, is it? So how do you advise clients on the mix? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, programmatic is a methodology, you could say, right? And so you can apply that same methodology both for very performance oriented type of campaigns that are, you know, what, what we would call in our industry a direct response or DR. But you can also use the, that same methodology for um, brand building. And especially as you know, new and exciting channels like Out of Home, Connected TV uh, become available programmatically, you can use those, those amazing bases to get your brand across and to, to have really a strong reach. So when you ask about what's our recommendation for the balance, I think it's fair to say that we don't actually get involved too much into this because 90% of our business is driven by Group M agencies. And we really see this as the role of you know, the planner to really basically advise their clients for their particular brand and circumstances on the best mix 
between branding activity and performance activity. But personally, I'm, I'm intimately convinced, and, and many, many studies have shown this, that if you only focus on, on DR, you are minimizing the opportunity, and that over the long term, this will certainly have a detrimental effect to your sales and to your business outcomes. So you're absolutely right. I think a combination of both is what people should be doing, and the proportion of it really, I think, depends on, on each and every brand, their maturity, and the kind of audience that they want to reach. Okay, so let's talk a bit more about the developing world of uh, media channels that are digitizing themselves. I mean, as we know, the media world never stays still. There's always something going on, but presumably you're looking to integrate into your programmatic activity channels like out of home, as you said, connected TV, audio. What else is going on that you're, you're trying to integrate within your technology systems and your operating model? I think, you know, from, from our perspective, we really believe, I think somebody said, you know, eventually every media that can be traded programmatically will. And I think that's a, a very good way to describe it. I, I still think there are some very you know, eye-hand and, and custom things that will still be uh, not executable programmatically because they require extremely uh, specific creative executions, for instance, or tightly integrated advertising programs into the content. But I would say that's a, a minority of things. I think, you know, 90% of all media ultimately, and that's my own assumption, uh, will be traded programmatically. And this will be across all screens. All screens are becoming digital. Our TV screens are digital and connected to the internet. You mentioned out of home. We are very bullish on that channel and think that also as the digitalization of out of home screens become more prevalent, will open up amazing opportunity for advertisers. And in terms of audio is something we've been also very you know active in and we have a very strong business into as consumers continue to evolve and, and stream content, whether it's podcast, whether it's listening to music on demand with services like Spotify and others. And I think for us, one we're watching closely, which is a very interesting new channel is gaming. You know, gaming is, is an amazing industry with uh, literally billions of players of all ages. It's certainly not only teenagers, you know, spending a lot of time in gaming and we're trying with our, our gaming partners to figure out, you know, what is the right way to implement the benefits of programmatic. So that automation, that leveraging of AI, that use of, of data to uh, custom the message more to the audience, but to do it in a way and in an environment that's very new. So, you know, how do you make it not too disruptive for the gamer? How do you make it efficient? For the advertisers, how do you allow it to be measured? There's lots of answers like this that I think we haven't collectively come up with and that we need to continue to devise. But that's what excites me about being in that space is that it never sits still. Certainly over the last year or two, there's been a lot of conversation about brand safety and the importance of context where brands' ads are actually appearing. What's your view on that? How do you make sure that your clients are protected in terms of where their ads are appearing? Yeah, it's something that, you know, we, we've taken to art very early on. As I said, we've been experts in programmatic for the last 10 years. So we're not new to this industry. And unfortunately, this is an issue that's been from the, the beginning of the programmatic rise. The, the good news is, 
I think two folds. One is there is certainly a lot of technologies now that you can use to get a better understanding of the environment in which the ad is going to be shown. And we certainly use those technologies. And the second part is we are very privileged of being part of Group M, which is the largest media buyer in the world. And what that allows us to do is to leverage the benefits of programmatic, but to apply this to very premium media relationship that Group M has with the top broadcasters, the top newspaper groups, the top publishers in every country. So that allows us to apply data on AI, but into a very brand safe environment. And honestly, when, when I started at Zaxis nine years ago, I have to admit it, it was a fairly uh, normal occurrence to have some issues somewhere around the world around brand safety. These days, this never happens. One big topic that people are talking about at the moment is the deprecation of cookies, which have been around for around 25 years now. So that's often used by advertisers, not only to assess effectiveness measurement, because you can understand exposure, but also for targeting. And one of the things that Kantar is doing is we have our project Moonshot, enables us to have direct integrations with large and small publishers around the world to enable us to measure the effectiveness. But equally, we know that lots of clients aren't really prepared or they don't really understand what it means for them. So what's Saxis doing to prepare for the deprecation of cookies? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very important topic for our industry. And, and when I say our industry, I don't mean ad tech. I mean our industry at large. So for publishers, advertisers, and, and frankly, even for consumers, because we have to recognize that, you know, ad-funded content is still the, the prevalent business model for a lot of service that consumers love. So I think this is something, you know, we as an industry have to come out with a solution that strikes the right balance between respecting consumers' privacy and also delivering a good experience as well as monetizing uh, the content, the premium content that a lot of broadcasters and others are, are producing. The other thing I want to say is it's not the cookie itself that's going away. It's, it's third-party cookies. And there's a distinction over there, which is as an advertiser is having a direct relationship with your consumers or a publisher having a direct relationship with your audience, you will be able still to find ways to reach these audiences better and to measure efficiencies. But the issue you're underlying, and rightfully so, is that most of the 
technical infrastructure of a lot of what we are doing in terms of measurement and targeting historically has been relying on, on third-party cookies and that's going away. So to address your question, what Zaxis is, is specifically doing about this, there's two things. One is we started, as I said, about five years ago, investing into our, our AI platform, which can leverage all sorts of data signals, not necessarily those that are tied to third-party cookies. And we found it extremely efficient to optimize towards outcome, even if we ignore, you know, third-party cookies type of data and just focus on things like, you know, time of day or first-party data from the publisher or the advertisers. So I would say that really should minimize the impact on our business. The second one is, as I said, it's an industry problem. It's not a Zaxis problem or Group M or, or WPP problem. And so we're really active with the IAB, with the World Wide Web Consortium, the W3C, and of course, working very closely as well with the big players in the field, uh, your Googles and Apples, et cetera, to try to steer, again, a solution that works for everybody, for consumers, for advertisers, and for publishers. So given that it means that first-party client data becomes more important, the accuracy, the validity, the, the relevance of that data is more crucial for marketing now. How much of that do you use at Zaxis? Do you find that your clients are taking data much more seriously now? Without a doubt, I think everybody has realized by now the importance of, of cultivating that first-party data asset, of trying to, to establish that direct relationship with your audience or, or consumers. So they know what needs to be done. How well they're able to do it, I think, is where you have a lot of variation. And honestly, I think not everybody is equal in that race. You know, we have clients that are sort of digital first, sort of direct to consumer type of brands, where their biggest sort of content and acquisition channel is online. And so that gives them a lot of first party data. And then we have, you know, clients where maybe their, their distribution network is more via third parties, is more offline. And for them, I think it's, it's harder at times to cultivate and grow this kind of asset. The other big thing is scale, which often people don't talk about is, you know, you may have first party data on your consumers, but if you only have, you know, a few millions of, of consumers and your intent is to be a, a global brand, that's not uh, going to take you where you need to, to go. And so we're, we're very interested at Zaxis, and I know it's something that Kantar has done a lot of work into, but of becoming experts into, you know, these clean rooms, data clean rooms, which typically are cloud-based, where basically you can bring your client first-party data and you can match it with the data of your partners in a safe and, and compliant way. Because I think this allows you still to do things that have proven to work well, like creating lookalike audiences, et cetera, and to benefit from the scales of bigger partners, but while using the, the accuracy and precision of your first party data, as you alluded to. So, so I think that space of clean rooms and, and sort of, you can almost call it data engineering, I think is going to become more and more important. And it's an area where we're investing a lot in terms of training and infrastructure. Another piece of research that Kantar's recently been involved with is the top 10 drivers of advertising profitability. And we know that, for example, creative quality is actually number 
two most important, the second most important factor, while targeting is actually at number 10. So what's your view on creative quality, given that creative is such an important aspect of marketing campaigns? How do you account for that when you're fundamentally a media agency? That's a very good, a very good question, Jane. And, and it is something we've been thinking long and hard at Zaxis because I think as an industry on the media side and even more so in the ad tech, I would say part of the industry, we've been spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars agonizing about what's the best way to target uh, the right audience and how can you measure it? How can you confirm it, validate it, et cetera? But you're absolutely right. Lots of research have shown that if you, even if you reach the right target, if your creative is subpar, you're not going to drive the, the outcome that you want. And as I mentioned, Zaxis is all about driving business outcomes. So uh, we felt at times we were a little bit held hostage if we didn't get the right creative for the right channel or for the right objectives for the campaign. And so one thing we've, we've been trying to do is, of course, work closer to our sister agencies within WPP, including the agencies that are focused on asset productions, like Ogoth, for instance, and of course, the creative agencies, your Ogilvies and, and others. But what we've done as well is, is create a specific unit to focus on what, what I call last mile creative. And really the purpose of that uh, group is to, to take the big creative idea, but to make sure that we have the possibility to customize it for very different channels. If you take a very simple example, if you produce an amazing TV commercial with a great video asset that tells a story, it can be very efficient. But when you then have to tell that same story on TikTok or on you know, YouTube or uh, on any other type of video formats that are available programmatically, it becomes extremely difficult if all you do is copy-paste that creative. So we have a team of, of basically producers and sort of designers that are focused on, on adapting. That's why I call it last mile creative. Those assets, which often are fantastic, but to make them more fit for purpose for the channels. And we found that the uplift on the campaigns results we can get from doing that, you know, more than make up or match what you can get from improving your, your targeting in some cases. So for me, it's an interesting question to the industry, which is over time, will we see the, the return of the integrated agency? where media and creative are actually uh, brought under the same roof in a much more integrated way for our clients. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Said Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit Kantar.com or OxfordFutureOfMarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you never miss an episode.